Awesome. We are live, episode 120. Uh, we've got a good one. Lauren Brill from Sweet Lauren's. We've got Chrissy Mize from Raw Honey. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, Lauren, we're talking Sweet Lauren's. I actually, we bought some recently. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, we don't bake a lot. We don't do the cookie thing very much, um, but I'm not opposed to it. People know I like the health thing, but like I'm all about some treats here and there. It's good for you folks. It's all about moderation. It's all about balance. Back to the show. Lauren, talk to us about the brand and when you started it. Uh, so I started it um, several years ago. The idea really came about 15 years ago. Um, I overcame cancer right after I graduated college. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, thankfully was cured, but you know, I was really changed and I got very passionate about feeding myself the best high, highest quality ingredients. And also just like not sacrificing, like, as you said, like, I want moderation. I want to feel like I can have it all, but I want to live and feel my healthiest and best and uh, really make sure I'm taking care of myself. So um, that's how I came up with the concept. I just was so frustrated with the dessert and treat options out there. Like there wasn't anything really, really delicious and worth it, but also made of super clean, good ingredients. So I said, I'm going to make my own cookie recipes and um, then started Sweet Lauren's just packaging refrigerated cookie dough so that anyone could buy it in their local supermarket, eat it raw or have it be super easy to bake off in your oven in you know less than 10 minutes. Okay. Well, let's start with the, the easy one. By God's grace, we're all happy that you beat cancer, correct? Yeah. Uh, thank God. You know, really it teaches you, you know, at a young age, at 22 years old, I just, I felt like I was a lot older. Like you start to really appreciate life and um, realize we are not invincible. And even though you might feel that way sometimes, especially when you're young um, and that really health is the most important thing. I think we all have. Being grateful. That's the one thing we all need more of. Um, let's talk about the year. So it was when that you actually started it? So I really started, um, I'd say about five years ago, we got national distribution and it was a real company sold in supermarkets across the country. Before then, I was just in kind of my local New York City Whole Foods kind of testing out the concept. So for the last five years, Sweet Lawrence has been sold um, in all the top supermarkets, Whole Foods, Publix, Kroger, you know, Target, et cetera. I want to know what the first iteration though was. I see and know the packaging now. It's in a form where you do bake it. What was the first iteration? And also, was it called Sweet Lawrence? Was it in packaging like that? Just, just give us a snapshot of that. Sure. So yeah, so when I started the concept, um, so again, I was testing all these recipes in my kitchen out of a personal need. Like I just have a sweet tooth. I wanted delicious cookies that made me feel good that, you know, I felt good emotionally about the ingredients, but also physically, like I didn't feel sick and gross, which, you know, a lot of the times you eat baked goods from a bakery and it's just so sweet and so processed, you don't feel great. So, um, whole foods was my first customer. I went to them on kind of a whim just to test out, like, does the concept stick? And they were super excited about it. And, and they said, no one's built the next brand name in cookie dough. 
you know, you could stand for the most natural, clean version for the next generation. And that was just like hit right with me. That, that was exactly the goal of Sweet Lawrence, like to be that brand name of cookie dough that you could feel great about buying and have your family, you know, raise your family on and have them grow up on. So my first iteration of Sweet Lawrence cookie dough was the cheapest, easiest way for me to get, you know, product on shelf. I didn't have a team. I was a one woman show. So it was originally in a little tub. So you could just scoop it out. And originally the recipe was just the premise was non-GMO and really natural ingredients. I, I was using some egg. I was using, um, it was whole grain, whole wheat. Um, so there was some wheat in it. Um, and so once I got that, um, you know, got that, saw the demand, it started to grow from just a couple whole foods. Then I got it into all public supermarkets and then all Kroger supermarkets on our first meetings. It just got massive distribution. And I changed the packaging from a tub to place and bake so that when you open the package, you know, there's 12 portions of cookie dough. So you can open it up and make one or two if you want in your toaster oven, you know, or make all 12. And then I started to hear from thousands of fans and customers that would say, hey, I'm not gluten-free, but my husband is. Can you make a gluten-free version? Hey, I'm not nut-free, but my son is. Can you make a nut-free nut -free version? Hey, I'm trying to be more plant-based or I have an egg allergy or... So I realized, wow, this, like, this world of better for you, it's not just people that want to eat clean and non-GMO and have really good high-quality ingredients. There are a ton of people with food sensitivities or food allergies that I also want to feed. And so I changed the recipe. So now Sweet Lauren's, everything we do is non-GMO, but it's also gluten-free certified. We're plant-based, we're vegan certified, we're dairy-free, peanut and tree nut free. Um, so that really everyone at the dinner table can enjoy it. And you can feel like it's super safe for, you know, a lot of health issues or dietary restrictions. How many people are on the team right now? We have... 12 people on the team and we're hiring a couple more, but we've kept okay. it lean and lean and mean. What are the positions in that 12? Um, just generically, I want to paint that picture for someone in your stage of the business. Sure. So I'm the founder and CEO. I have a CFO, a COO, a CMO, a VP of sales. And then we have a supply chain manager. We have a marketing coordinator, director of marketing, um, content creator, you know, sales, you know, sales support, business development managers, things like that. All in-house, correct? Or do you use agencies? Um, our main positions are all in-house. We do outsource, um, let's say our bookkeeper, we outsource um, some of our shopper marketing. We outsource some of our, like our product, you know, our packaging design and product renderings and things like that. So um, yeah, we outsource what, what we can, what, what doesn't require a full-time job. What do you think is the biggest obstacle that's coming from the year 21 for a business like yours? Honestly, we've been hit in a crazy way during COVID. I mean, the demand for CPG, especially a product like ours, where it was healthier, people were looking for healthier during COVID. And also with so many kids at home and just families at home, you know, people were loving cookie dough because it was such an easy thing for people to do with their families. So our sales, you know, really boomed during COVID. This year has been super unexpected in the sense of our supply chain has been, um, 
there's a global shortage of oat flour and oat flour is one of the main ingredients in our products. This is not something we could have ever foreseen. During COVID, our whole team worked overtime, like unbelievable hours just to keep up with the demand, but also to make sure everything was running smoothly. And I'm proud to say that during COVID, we did 99% fill rate. Like we were able, our factory stayed open. No one got sick. You know, we, everyone just took really good care of each other and the business. Um, this is out of our hands. This is oat flour. There's um, a global shortage because of like five global events that have collided this year. So um, that's been very stressful for our team. Um, what used to be super easy to source and we had, you know, very reliable suppliers, you know, now we're, we're looking for others. Um, just so we have backups and backups and backups. Are you seeing a price increase uh, across the board? On, yes. On we are. We're also raw seeing, ingredients. Yep. We are. We're on raw ingredients. We're seeing a major price increase across the board. Um, Curious, are you passing that on? Have you have you uh, done a price increase on on all of your products? We are uh, actually in the process of doing a price increase now. Since we launched over four years ago, we we have never done a price increase. You know, we've always maintained um, our price on shelf, but we can't do that anymore. Like these, this price increase on every single cost of goods is so astronomical. In order for it to be a healthy business, we have to pass it along. So. Um, we are, we're doing that now. It'll probably go into effect over the next couple of months. This is actually the first time on the show I've actually um, uh, sort of pinged on these topics and I like it. I think I'm going to do it the next few, um, especially with somebody who's in the trenches and understands this. I'm just going to hit on a couple of things right now so that there's context. Um, okay. We all, we're in the pea business. I say we're in the legume business, right? I always say we're an organic legume company. Um, uh, we have a harvest issue um, uh, for peas, Right. And so it just trickles down. So people understand this is oats has an issue. So then there's a supply chain there. Us, it's a harvest issue. There's less done. So that affects the quantities that affects pricing. When we move over to the other things that people talk more commonly about when they talk about supply chain, if there's things like corrugated boxes, we're talking paper and the things and the like, it's all happening. So there is not there's a demand there it may not be a shortage it's more of a demand there so price increase happens foil we have packaging foil increases that is because yes we may manufacture here in the u.s but a lot of the actual product the material comes from overseas yeah that's the reality folks you 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 know how it's yeah Anyway, I could do 10 different uh, things on that. So it's just, I'm giving this information out so people understand it. So we did, we also did a price increase. We started ours actually like 90 days ago um, because you have to put it in and it doesn't actually take effect for a good 90 days. And FYI, when you let the, the main distributors know and or uh, uh, partners, retail partners know, they'll do that price increase immediately. Like we already saw our price increase on shelf yet they haven't seen the price increase. Not a problem. I'm not making any issues here. I'm just telling you that's how it works because that's my only job here is to offer some 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 context advice and hopefully a value add for those that are in the trenches also. It's just to help. Um, anyway, I just wanted to break all that down because it's super important of what's happening and there's a lot of us involved in it and, and they just don't hear it from others. So thank you for giving all that information. It's important. Um, Lauren, I want to talk about sort of closing this up, but where do you want to see yourself 
and the brand in 22? What is going to take effect? Do you have any innovation in the pipeline or do you stay the course, try to drill down on the things that you're seeing as far as um, obstacles and then, and then sort of look beyond that after that's taken care of? Yeah, we're trying to do three things um, next year. I mean, number one is get through these obstacles, make sure we have our price increase go through, make sure we get our oat flour back um, and that we're just producing at full rate and able to, um, you know, grow as aggressively as possible because the demand is there for a product and, um, you know, we're excited to continue that. You know, that's number one. Number two, we're hiring more people on the team, some really exciting senior hires. So very excited to bring them on board um, and, you know, just grow an awesome team. And, and um, you know, they're the team that'll be able to handle whatever the world throws at us, you know, um, in the future. So to, to me, team is everything. I'm excited to grow a really great team. And, um, and then we do have some exciting innovation that we're finalizing right now that we'll be launching next year. So um, we're, we're trying to do it all. Very cool. I, I like that. Um, I put your information on on the bottom uh, after the show. I appreciate that. And there's just good context in there. It's it's the real deal. Um, Chrissy Mize, raw honey. Give it to us. What's it all about? All right. All right. Hello. Hello. Great to hear your full story, by the way, Lauren. Very inspiring. So cool. I'm really excited to try your products. I've seen them locally here in our little town. So that's awesome. Props to you for just getting it everywhere. <laughs> um, but I am Chrissy Mize, aka Raw Honey Copy. I like to say that I write copy that's better for you. So I write for CPG, DTC, and uh, food and beverage brands. So um, a lot of times when founders are first starting out, uh, we're looking at copy that's just really out of the gate, basic, the obvious stuff. Like, let's talk about our features. We're gluten-free, we're plant-based, we're organic, you know, all the obvious features and benefits. And that's what goes on to the website and the welcome sequence, the emails, the packaging, the PDPs everywhere. But most of us, especially someone like Lauren, you have a totally unique ownable product. Most of the brands you're talking to, Mark, have a totally unique ownable product. You need to also have a totally unique ownable voice. You need to be able to differentiate yourself and not sound like every other of the hundreds of new brands that are coming out every year onto the market, right? So how do we do that? We want to sound authentic and like humans, not like bots that are churning out copy. We want to sound um, like we can emotionally resonate with customers. We buy from brands that sound like this and they can really sort of speak to what's my pain point, you know? This is something that Lauren did brilliantly was listening to her customers and pivoting and like actually tweaking the product because she was in tune with what her customers were saying. And your brand voice is going to want to resonate with your customers' pain points and with the transformation that you're taking them through, even if that's just, hey, this is the most delicious plant-based cookie I've ever tasted. It's changing my life. That's huge. So we want to speak to those needs in a really conversational human way. Those are the kinds of brands that people are more and more relating to is that there's like a reflection, it's like a mirroring happening. It's like, you're like me, you understand me, you get me. And you can do that in all of the bits everywhere that your brand shows up. So that's what I help brands to do is to find the voice that's really uniquely them and not just, you know, cookie cutter <laughs> to be funny, but that's, you know, authentic and that they can own. And it's like a trademark, like this is your tagline. This is your bit. This is your, you know, 
anything that goes anywhere across your, your brand. So that's what I help folks to do. And of course that helps to create a sticky brand that customers can really like cling to and remember and become loyal subscribers, super fans. And that turns into more and more revenue. That's what I'm here to do is to help brands find that unique ownable voice. Very cool. I like it. Chrissy's, Chrissy's info is right there. Lauren's info is right there. I appreciate both of you. Enjoy the rest of the week. You too. Happy Thank holidays. you. Have a good awesome. Year. Thanks for having us. Yes. Awesome job, Chrissy.